So we have been under the great banner of where we're going as a church and what does it mean to live as disciples of Jesus in and through the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what we, our overarching thought is for the church. Um, giving attention to how we live, not just how we get saved. Um, and sometimes we give a lot of attention to that front end. But I want, I want us to be giving attention to how do we live as believers? How do we work out that salvation over a lifetime? How do we keep on being faithful to the very end? And so as part of that, we're in a series right now called Jesus, uh, the Eternal Son. And uh, we started, we did an introduction, and then Brian did a magnificent talk on the Trinity. Then I did an okay talk on Jesus in the Old Testament. And then Brian did a magnificent talk on the Incarnation. And then I did a, a good talk on... How does the incarnation apply to us in the way that we engage our world? And remember, we spoke primarily around the way that Jesus came, the characteristics of Jesus, that he came humble. He came as a servant. He came full of grace. He came full of truth. He came with wisdom. And the way that we engage our world as we are sent, as he was sent, he sends us. We want to engage our world with wisdom and grace and mercy and kindness um, and with a servant heart, uh, with humility, not with arrogance. And then last week, we spoke about what does it mean uh, for Jesus to be our high priest. It was a little more the uh, theological, but saying if there was no incarnation, actually the priesthood of Jesus actually makes no sense whatsoever. And so what we want to do today is talk a little bit about Jesus, the great shepherd. Because I think it flows out of who he is as a priest in the heavenly realm, what he did on the earth, is how he leads us every single day if we will allow him to do that. Um, and I think the beautiful thing about this is that Jesus allowed himself to be led when he was on earth in his human form, when he was incarnated. He allowed himself to be led by the Spirit under the guidance and the hand of God, his Father, so that today he knows where to lead us. Because he's been where we need to go. He's struggled through the things that we've struggled through. We read that from Hebrews last week. He qualifies as a priest because what he has suffered and endured, just like us. There's nothing that we face that he hasn't faced. Now, he didn't face nuclear war from North Korea. But he did face with the idea of hatred and, and nations pitted against one another. He, he understood all of that. So he is fully qualified to be our priest, but every day to lead us as the great shepherd. If we will allow him to do that. And if we read the Old Testament, and I'm going to read a few verses to you. We're not going to look them up. But they, they pointers from the Old Testament that speak about the shepherd, that God is a shepherd, that God expected his leaders to be shepherds. And, it, and there was this forward pointing, hey guys, to this one who would come, this great shepherd. In Psalm 78, verse 52, it says, Then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Beautiful imagery of the way that God wants to interact with us. In Psalm 79, we your people, the sheep of your pasture. There's amazing response to Jesus wanting to shepherd us or God shepherd us when we say, yes, we are your sheep and we are of your pasture. Please, would you shepherd us? Isaiah 40, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. And gently lead them 
those who are with young. There's just this tenderness about God as it applies to his people. And I, I, I sometimes I'm so sad that we don't allow Jesus to do that to us. It's not that he doesn't want to. It's that we don't invite him and allow him to actually do that. He does some things that we're unaware of that keep us sustained. But I think there's something that God wants to do in grabbing hold of us and leading us. In Psalm 78, another verse says, He chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfold to shepherd Jacob his people. This idea that God wanted his leaders, his kings, his people in authority to be those who would shepherd, who would tend the flock, who would care for the flock, who would love the flock. And they're beautiful images of um, uh, Middle East shepherds. When a, a lamb kept going off a sheep and it wouldn't go, they would catch it and they'd break its legs and they would carry it around their shoulders. And then they, those legs would heal and that sheep would never wander off again. Because sometimes we think Jesus is just this gentle, you know. But actually there's a, there's a strength to Jesus. He's so committed to keeping us in the flock and keeping us on the journey that he wants to take us on. I'll jump the other one. But in Micah, there's this, there's this prophetic word that Micah's bringing about that a ruler will come from Bethlehem. And this is one of the verses. And he, this ruler that shall arise, shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. So this prophetic longing that one would come in the spirit of David, who was a shepherd, actual shepherd, then went on to shepherd a, a nation, that one would come in that vein, in the, in the line of David, who would be the perfect shepherd, the one who would shepherd Israel into the fullness of everything that God had promised. And then we have these great texts. We won't look them up. Psalm 23, Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 34, Zechariah 10, in the New Testament, these great chapters on what it means to be a shepherd. Some of it are nasty words when they, he's judging the shepherds for not doing what he asked them to do. When they fleece the flock, when they live off the flock, it, it's when uh, I'm the shepherd of this flock and you exist for me. I'm going to do anything I can to get the best out of you. How can I manipulate you to get your money and your time and your favor, etc.? Actually, it's the other way around. I'm, the shepherd is meant to tend and love and care for the flock and bring them into wholeness. Um, and then we have John 10. And I'm not going to read the whole of John 10, but it's a beautiful text. I hope you have read it somewhere about Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. In some translations, and sometimes in the Greek, people translated, I am the shepherd, the good one. That's actually one of the ways that it's translated. It's like, um, uh, you know, Ivan the just, you know, John the redeemer, you know, this, that type of, the shepherd, the good one. Now, in that, Jesus is beginning to apply to himself something of this Old Testament longing, this Old Testament prophetic thing, that there is a shepherd coming. He's coming from Bethlehem. Jesus is becoming aware of who he is. And he says, I am the good shepherd. And if you look at the previous section coming out of chapter 9 into chapter 10, as the guy that was blind and Jesus healed him, he, he ends up before the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and they question him, and they want to know everything. Who is this? And he says, you know, actually, I have no idea. But this one thing I know, once I was blind, 
but now I see. Which is one of the great ways that you can witness to what Jesus has done in your life, even if you do not have all the answers. And you don't know, and you can't explain Jesus, and you can't explain the Trinity, and you can't explain the incarnation yet, because you've just entered in. You can say, I don't know, but this one thing I know. Once I was blind, but now I can see. And they throw him out. And it says, Jesus goes and looks for him, and then begins to talk that I am the door of the sheep pen. You remember that text? It can come through the door. It says, they threw him out. Jesus took him in. And we go read the text when he acknowledges Jesus and begins to worship him. Jesus, I'm the door. Come on in. And he goes on in verse, I'm going to read verses 11 and 14 from that text. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Isn't that that great? There's a sense of that the reason Jesus is the good shepherd is he is the one who lays down his life for the sheep and they would get that later, you, you know, when the, cr- the cross happens and the resurrection and the ascension, that comes into full view and full clarity. But the reason he's the good shepherd is he doesn't come to fleece the sheep. He doesn't come to rip the sheep off. He comes to lay down his life for his sheep. And he's also the good shepherd because he knows his sheep. Guess what? They know him. And I think this morning or this afternoon, a little bit is sticking on that idea of that we know him. We don't know about him. We want to know him as the shepherd because he knows our voice. He knows every hair on our head. Nothing happens in our life that Jesus does not know about and does not care about. The response is, do we know him? When he gives his little whistle, do we identify that as the whistle of Jesus or is just another noise in the atmosphere? When he calls your name, do you hear his name or hear it or do you just hear a noise? You remember when Samuel was in the temple and he's lying down and Eli's there? He's this young guy has been dedicated by his mom to the Lord. He's lying there and the Lord speaks, Samuel, Samuel. He runs to Eli. Did you call? What is it? Samuel did not yet know the voice of the Lord. He did not know his father's voice. When he lied down again. Hey, Samuel, Samuel. Back to Eli. What's happening? Then Samuel, Eli begins to realize what's happening. He says, go lie down. When that voice speaks again, say, here I am. Your servant's listening. See, that was the shepherd speaking to his sheep. Get to know that voice. Now, some of you who are dads and moms, if you're in the shopping mall and you forget the stroller with your baby in at that store and you're on the other side of the, you know, the big opening that you can always look down, they're all built the same, and you hear your baby cry, guess what? You know it's your baby. And given a few months of you speaking to your child, when you speak from across the other side of the room, your child knows it's your voice. And that's the relationship that Jesus is wanting to have with his people. He knows us, but do we know him or do we know about him? Where we introduced and we came through the door of salvation and that's it. 
and somehow we're lost in this big green pasture, not quite knowing where to go, sometimes falling down a ravine, sometimes drowning in, a, in, in, the, in the river, because we haven't allowed him to lead us to the places of safety. Um, Homer, anyone heard of Homer? Homer said this, All kings are shepherds of the people. Their authority is seen in the care of their flock. I mean, how's that? Even he recognized that. Um, so, that's what we're going to do. Generally, it's Brian and I who teach up here, and then Shelley has taught, and Heidi teaches. And we can teach, and we can instruct, and we can encourage, and we can urge, and we can pray, and we can counsel, and we can manipulate, and we can cajole, and we can do all those sorts of things. But unless we actually engage with the Holy Spirit, we will never know Him, and you will always feel like people are pushing you into something. If you come from Africa, and you see an African shepherd, they go behind the sheep, they have sheep dogs that corral the sheep and they throw stones and they do. Whereas a Middle Eastern shepherd goes in front of the sheep and calls and they follow. Big difference. I, my encouragement to you is, will you allow yourself to be led? Will you allow yourself to open your ears, your spiritual ears to hear his voice and hear the things that he wants to say and let him take you to the places he wants to take you. Rather than someone up front is saying, you better do this. You better, you better. Have you done this? Have you thought of it? Rather, well, we need to still instruct. But rather this, I want to get to know this great shepherd. I want to know his voice. And little by little by little, that voice will become clear. And the Father's voice will become crystal among many voices and much noise in the world that we live in. That quote of Homer, secular person, saying all kings are like shepherds. I wish that were true of our nation, don't you think? That our leaders would care. I wish it were true in the church, that our leaders would care for people rather than programs and all those things. They care for people, to see them flourish. We want to see people flourish. So Psalm 23 is a beautiful text to help us engage God as shepherd. Um, remember this, Jesus was a Jew. He grew up knowing the Hebrew Scriptures. He would have grown up knowing Psalm 23 really, really well. He would have applied it to his life as all good Jewish kids did as they were maturing and growing up. There was a key text for them to, to describe God and the relationship that he wanted to have with each person. The thing that's beautiful about Psalm 23 is that it, it's very personal. M much of the scriptures about the people. This is about you and me. And when Jesus would have been reading that and studying that and learning that and praying that, he would have known this is about me. The Lord is my shepherd. Later coming into the revelation that actually I am the great shepherd. Would have been an amazing thing. Suddenly realizing this scripture from Micah applies to me. 
the spirit of the sovereign Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to do the things of being a shepherd. So as we engage that text where it says the Lord is my shepherd, we can with full assurance say Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus makes me lie down. It's, let's not make it abstract. He, I, let's, let's make it personal. Because if he is the great shepherd, then we can personalize that for us and make it real. Um, that great philosopher and theologian, Dallas Willard, they asked him a question. They said, what does your daily devotional life look like? He said, well, so most of the time I'm really, really busy. So I get to study the Bible every now and then. I try to pray throughout the day. But he said, every morning before I get out of bed, before I arise, as I open my eyes, I process the Lord's Prayer, and then I do Psalm 23. And if, I, if I'm still in bed and I've got more time, I'll do it again. I don't just quote it. I don't just say it. I actually think, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh, and I process that. I thought, isn't that beautiful? Doesn't it take things, something so simple rather than making all of this so complicated? Um, so we're going to do that right now. Remember we did it with the Lord's Prayer a few months ago? Some of you might remember that. We're going to do that with the Lord's Prayer right now. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Some of you are going to find that a struggle because you like to see what's going on. I'm going to ask you if you've got your cell phones, why don't you put them down, put them away, make them silent. I know, I know you, all of you are always looking at the scriptures. I understand that. But just for a moment, could you put the scriptures down? Just for a little while. And we're going to process this text little by little. And I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to ask you to ponder. And I'm going to ask you to think. I'm going to ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to inform your mind. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. I'm going to ask him to, to do that for you. You ask him. This psalm covers the gamut of the things that we will face in our lives, even if it's in broad strokes. Everything that I know about you in this room is in some way covered in this psalm. And as you get to it, would you allow Jesus to shepherd you through your crisis, through your loss, through your whatever? Would you allow him? Would you allow him to take you from dryness to springs? Would you allow him to take you from the, the dry grass to the green grass? Is that all right? Jesus is my shepherd. And I shall not want.
We're aware, Lord, that sometimes we have wants, but sometimes they are the things that we want, not the things that you want for us. But as we allow you to be our shepherd, to be our Lord, the things that apply to us living the kingdom life, we will have no lack, no need. At the heart of the matter, as shepherd, we want to trust you. That we, our faith is, is about trusting you. We want to trust you. We want to trust you at your word. That you are our shepherd and we shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that as we wait upon you, you would come and help us to learn to slow down, at least from time to time, so that we would allow you to lead us into places of quiet and places of rest and places of flourishing and places where we can feed well and where our innards are restored. Our very core is restored back to the way that you would want it to be. Not that we would disengage from the world, but so that we could be refreshed to engage the world in a whole new way, fresh, with vigor, with kingdom vision, in our work and in our play and in our homes and in the gym and in wherever. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. <coughs> Would you come, Lord? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Lord, if that means... Sometimes people are actually walking through a place where it's nearly real physical death. Or whether it's you leading us 
we're going through valleys where it feels like things are dying around us and things are dying in us. And death seems to overshadow us and fear has gripped us. We don't have to fear. You are with us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You are with me. Lord, as, we, as part of that, as we pick up your mantle of the Great Commission and go into all the world and making disciples, your promise is you will be with us till the very end of the age. You'll be with us, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's important as we think through that imagery that the rod was the one that was used to, to ward off attackers and wolves and bears and thieves and robbers. It was like a club. And the staff was long and tall and thin and would be used to hook the sheep and bring them back into the fold and to touch them, etc. But we need both of those in our lives because they comfort us, they keep us secure. I love it that in 1 Corinthians 14, the prophetic word, part of that is to come to comfort us, to keep us secure. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You, Jesus, prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Would you think on that one, some of you? Those two babies are learning to hear and speak and We'll get to know their voices. It's beautiful. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Some of you feel like you've been attacked. Some of you feel it's been nonstop. But Jesus says, I will prepare a table for me. You can feast in that place. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'd like to read that one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It was about 12 minutes of allowing God to speak to us. I'm hoping that as we went through that, just ever so slowly, we can, you can do it in your own time as often as you like, that somehow God spoke to you something out of that, I need to work on you in that area. I think there are many of us in this room that need our innards, our soul, the very core of who we are to be restored. I believe we've been fragmented. I believe there's been pressured things and we just feel torn all over the place and the Lord wants to come and restore us on the inside. We can patch up the outside as much as we like, but if the inside is fractured, we actually go nowhere. God wants to restore us. You know, some of us did the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course. And I think it was life transforming. Would you say so? I think it was life transforming. You, you know, we got out what you put in, but it was life transforming because it caused us to go and weigh up again. And God wants to restore our souls. I think that's one for some of you to really think through and ponder and allow Jesus the great shepherd into your life to restore your innards. And the second is many of you are surrounded and you are threatened and, or you perceive to be threatened by people around you. This one wants my job. This one wants my position. This one wants to cut in front of me in the lane on the freeway. This one, there's this, we, we, we live in that sort of fear of enemy. And I think Jesus wants to show us that if we would learn to rest in him, it's like a feast is put before us. And these people are, and they, they can be screaming and shouting, and you can actually feast on Jesus and just say, I'm okay. It's going to be okay. I think it's in that place where you just touch your brakes and allow the guy to go in front of you, and you don't give him the middle finger. Because we, we've become an anxious people. We've become an, an angry people. Because our innards are not right. Jesus wants to get into the very inside of us and change us and mold us. And I think this is a beautiful psalm to help us. And when you feel like you're still struggling, you remember that Jesus would have prayed this himself. And as we're beginning to say, and we're trying to get it into the life of Mercy Town, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. If Jesus would have prayed this, then we can pray this. Jesus needed to trust his father, shepherd of his life for those 33 years. Then we can trust the shepherd of our souls for our lives. So 
So maybe I'll leave you this. Maybe I didn't have this. Is there someone that out of that feel like, I'd like to share. Actually, God touched, spoke to me in this area. Is anybody? I'm not gonna, no one to force, but if there's somebody, give you an opportunity. Okay. Would you, as we close this time, or this the talk, but allow Jesus to be your shepherd? Would you allow him in? Would you allow him to lead you? Would you quieten yourself down for at least a moment to get to know his voice? Because I think he's calling your name and my name on a fairly regular basis, but it's getting lost among the hustle and the bustle and the noise and the, of life. And like Samuel, we learn to hear that voice. John Ortberg, who leads Menlo Park Church, big church, phoned Dallas Willard one day years ago. I've told this, I'm reminding you, and said, I need to know what is it, what's the key to being a disciple to Jesus? And he said, there was a long silence. And then Dallas Willard said, hurry. He said, and? Hurry. It's the biggest hindrance to being a disciple to Jesus is hurry. Because Jesus takes us to still waters, green pastures, and he never shouts. All right. Can I pray for you? And then I'm going to hand over to Brian. You're right, there, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, lover of our souls, healer of our innards transformer of our minds that you approach us not as dictator not as despot but you come to us gentle and you invite us into your ways into your kingdom to partake with you in your endeavor. And you invite us into your life. Would you help us to be a people who hear, and a people who respond and follow hard after you? We know it's difficult. We, we know we're not going to walk, all walk out of here today, and it's all going to be wonderful and perfect. This is over a lifetime. But it's every day saying, Lord, today I'm, I'm, I'm going at it again. Knowing yesterday I might have messed up a little bit or a lot. But I'm going for it again. Help us, we pray. Thank you. The, um, the line about a table being prepared before us always sticks out to me in that psalm, mostly because it's sheep image, sheep image, sheep image, sheep image, a table being set, which just seems incongruent with the rest of the psalm. Um, 
but it's something that would have been meaningful to David as far as shepherds. He was a man who was multiple times in his life pursued by enemies. He was cast out from where he was, and he was pursued by people who wanted to put him to death. And he depended upon the generosity of a Bedouin hospitable culture that would take a person in, vouch for their life, and feed them. He was used to being in positions where a table had to be set for him in the presence of his enemies, um, often by shepherds. And I think Terry's right that we come, we are on a long journey. He talks about we don't just want to focus on a justification followed by whatever and then heaven that it actually is we are walking out a path here with God of our lives being transformed as we go. And that is a long and often arduous journey, and it is one that is beset by enemies. And I'm not just speaking of like general run-of-the-mill bad people out there or even people who are very anti-Christian, but I mean, we are beset by the enemies of Satan, sin, and death that are coming for us and want to throw us off our paths. And in that, we have a table set for us consistently in Jesus. And we have in communion, which we're about to do a weekly, a consistent reminder of that table being set before us. Um, but beyond that, in this, what we're partaking in, that we're taking the bread and the wine, that we're taking of the body and the blood of Jesus, we're also remembering his death and the thing that broke those powers. That we don't just find ourselves nourished upon this journey, but we also are remembering that the enemies out there have ultimately had their power beaten. We see and we come here proclaiming his death, declaring the good shepherd who has brought us into his fold, who will nourish us and see us through and has broken the enemy's hold and he was guaranteed for that reason to bring us home. We will be led into the good pasture. We come here to be fed, to be reminded that with him as our good shepherd, no matter how it feels in the world, we truly do not want.